Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Baker Unified Fitness in Richmond, Virginia, the man himself, Baker. How are we doing today? Oh, man, I'm doing well. All right. I'm excited, happy to hear about this. BUF is, is a unique thing down there in Richmond. So give us the overview. What's, what's BUF all about? Uh, so BUF, the name, obviously Baker is my last name. Uh, Unified is the big piece there. Um, I was a former social worker. So bringing people together to achieve one common goal was always, you know, the goal. Uh, so the name really does kind of signify what we stand for. Um, unified is something that we always say um, in our branding because having people there with you to hold you accountable, whether it be in the group setting or the trainers, uh, it definitely is a collaborative effort. So that's what Baker Unified Fitness stands for. Now, the brand itself is it's a community fitness brand. I was a social worker. I used to be a teacher. I also was a college coach. Uh, so team is something that I'm very familiar with. Uh, so I just took all those concepts and poured it into Baker Unified Fitness. And let's let's not let it be lost on people that it does also spell out buff, which is, you know, something that everybody wants a little bit, I think, to some degree. Yeah. So, so you've been in some type, and this is a trend. This is not, this is not uncommon. People in the fitness world love to help, love to serve, are community-minded. On the big corporate level, you do get some people that are just investors. It's it's just about the buck, but at our level, micro gym, boutique, things like that, it's always people who have in some way or another always been trying to contribute. Teacher, coach, social worker. I mean, you've been in it with these people in the community for a long time. How did that translate into a opening up a boutique fitness studio? Like, how did you, you know, was it, hey, the, you know, I want to make more impact, get away from bureaucracy. I want to work for myself. Like what makes, you know, it's a special brand of crazy for us to get out here and say, I'm going to sign a lease and, and come make people work out. So how did that come to be? Well, I always had a background in sports. I played sports, I played college ball, I coached at the college level. Um, but in college, my major was education. So I got my degree in education. Um, before going into education, I worked in social work field for eight years. Um, then I taught for a few years, realized that I like a little bit more personal interaction that like I was doing with the social work. And I was coaching a sports team and some kids, their parents came up to me and they said, man, I would love if you can work with my kid, you know, in the off season. And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? And I worked with a couple of kids and they, they turned out to be superstars. Now I enhanced some of their talents, but they already had it. And that's what most trainers and coaches already see before, you know, people even step foot in the gym, you see potential. So 
Um, I helped those kids along. They both end up getting full scholarships to Division One colleges. Wow. And then moms started asking, when are you going to do a mom's group? And, you know, this and that. And then I realized that when the kids weren't in season that I had to continue to train to make money because sports is such a seasonal thing that, you know, you only go three or four months and then those guys are gone. Um, yeah. We hear that all the time with people who love training athletes about how, how seasonal it is. So that's probably one of the best impressions of the, the general mom that I've ever heard too, by the way, of like, when are you going to start a mom's group? Because it happens all the time. So <laughs> So you had one aspect that you kind of had a niche that you developed, and then you probably can only have so many people ask you before you're like, oh, if you guys keep asking, that must mean that I'm going to do it. So um, 2017, you opened your first location, correct? Yes. And that was just you, solo shop, one man show, doing everything. You're the janitor, you're the coach, you're the programmer, marketer, you're wearing all the hats. Yes. Um, that was honestly, I was, my brother kind of tricked me into it. He, <laughs> he saw that I had something special and he, you know, he's an entrepreneur as well. And he said, man, you can do this. And he said, I think you should start looking at places. You know, I was still in the social work field at the time. And then he sent me a, a picture of some money and and tagged it are you ready and i was like okay and the first place i found the place i fell in love with we went to go see it and i was like i think i can make it happen in here hmm. he took me to a friend's gym up in the washington dc area who also had a small gym was a classmate of his he worked with professional athletes and and he really much just laid it out, you know, to me and said, this is, this can happen. This is how much I'm making. I was like, really? <laughs> tell me more. Yeah. Right? Tell me more. How can I do that? Are you sure this can happen? But to, I guess to see somebody else doing it and know that it's possible, that was kind of all I needed. And then from there, I just, it was about just trying to purpose the space to the things that I actually needed. That's when you really figure out what you need in a gym space when you have a small space, but you offer groups and you want to offer all these other things. So I started looking at equipment that could be uh, used in different ways, um, dual functioning things. Oh, I can do this with the bands. I also can do this. I got I got a lot of just stuff that I can multi get a lot of multi use out of. Yeah, for sure. And I love that you started off in a small space because you have to learn to be more efficient. And then when you do get bigger space, you're not just like all of a sudden, Oh, you, it, it's so weird. When I talk to people with 5,000 square feet and they're like, yeah, I can train like eight, nine people once. I'm like, Oh, you've never been in a small space. Have you? Because <laughs> I know people that'll train eight, you know, eight clients in a, in a closet. Yeah. So, you know, it makes you adapt. I think it's one of those things where, um, you know, having that, it's like, if you've always had it, you don't know, but having that on your belt doesn't mean that we don't all, we all want our clients to have a thousand square feet and every piece of equipment and everything like that. But the economics of it, operational capacity 
don't always agree. And unless you hit the lottery the other day and you're just doing this because you love it, there's all there's bills to pay. There's things like that. So I, I love that you have an appreciation of that. Something else that you said um, that kind of set a bell off in my head was seeing somebody else do it, not reading about it on the internet, not hearing about it, you know, not third hand. It, it reminds me like the thing I thought about, it's like the cliche of the four minute mile, right? Like once people saw that someone could run a four minute mile, boom, everybody's running a four minute mile. Yeah. Like you saw somebody doing it. And like, once you're there, you're like, all right, you know, the, any limiting belief I had about whether it could be done, I could do it. Somebody I know could do it. You're like, it's right in front of me. So I can either make excuses and tell yeah. myself why I'm different, or I can go get it. Clearly you made the, you made the choice to go get it. And you did that on your own for, was it three or four years that you did it so well? So three years, I worked from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I taught two classes at the end of the of five days a week. And were, did you stop doing social work as soon as you opened the facility or was there any overlap there? There was an overlap. And actually, when I first started, my boss, that the guy I was working for, the company I was working for, he was attending the gym. Beautiful. Uh, because he and I actually had a relationship just, you know, around the office. You know, we're social workers, so we talk to each other. And he would you always put, say- put the social in social work. Yeah, exactly. So he was, you know, he would always say, hey man, like you looking good, like what you working on, what you doing? So when I started my own, he was interested. Got it, got it. So you did that for a few years. That was in a, a commercial, um, kind of a warehouse type space, you yeah. know, one man show. So as you start to grow, what was the tipping point for you? Was your lease up? And that made you say like, I want to go to a bigger space. I want to go to commercial. Was it, had you outgrown it? Like what, what made you move into this bigger space where now you have other trainers under your umbrella? So it was two things. Uh, one was we had an overflow one day. It was a class and the space is small. I mean, you can think of a box of a thousand square feet. We had about 21 people in a class. Oof. Okay. Yeah. But it was kind of cool. And it just so happened that my brother was in town that day. And he, you know, he was kind of behind the whole thing and starting helping me start it. And uh, he was like, wow. Like, dude, he's like, man, you're doing it. You're, you're doing this. You know, I was excited, but I, I'm always thinking about like safety spacing, stuff like that. I mean, I come from a college strength and conditioning program. So we talked a lot about safety and people having enough room to be able to do rows and, you know, all those type of things, barbell squats. We didn't have much space for a lot of bars in there. So uh, I was like, all right, maybe start looking into, you know, doing some other things. And then I got tired. I got tired and I got injured. I think it was a product of just me just burning my body out, working all the time, bending, picking up weights, demonstrating exercises. And my, I started experiencing some, some extreme hip pain that forced me to take two months off. And I was like, well, if I can't work, how can the business continue to thrive? So I started looking at spaces. 
Yeah, that's one of those conversations that we have a lot. And I don't like to be a, a downer with that stuff. But, you know, I know people who are amazingly content in their one-man show, PT businesses. They coach 10, 12. I talked to a guy the other day, does 14 to 16 sessions a day. And he is happy. The man is thrilled. Smile, you know, across the room. Amazing. But if anything, it's, you know, one of one of my favorite books um, and it's getting old now is, is called anti-fragile and the business at that point is very fragile because if something happens, if you get sick, if you get injured, any number of things happen, there's no, there's no backup plan. You can have a savings. You can, you know, there's things you can do, but all of that stuff goes away really quickly. And most people aren't, aren't sitting on, you know, a ton of money yeah. for a nest egg in their personal training business. Like, Yes, some some people have good investments and all that, but for the most part, it's people that are, you know, a month or two away from being in real trouble. Absolutely. So you added a layer of stability to the business by going into a larger space, which clearly would come with a little more overhead, but giving you the ability to get leverage, right? In yes. your case, um, I believe your primary model for other trainers is um are they they're either renting space or doing a revenue share with you is that right yes so either they work under us uh through uh contracting 1099 um or we rent the space out to other trainer independent trainers who necessarily don't want to be at the bigger facilities who you know that sometimes is frowned upon but the bigger facilities are adjusting to that now. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be able to get information about those things and be able to offer a competitive rental price. Uh, so I promote that just as much as I promote our services. Yeah, and for people who don't, don't think about things like that, it's like, yeah, having more clients is great, getting more people employees, you know, we're not giving tax or legal advice out here, but for whatever applies to you in your situation, it's more a matter of, of being flexible, adding in layers of protection for yourself, because at the end of the day, it's, it's your name on the lease. You've got, you know, certain things you're going to do. So if it doesn't detract from your main business, if it isn't a distraction, if it's not something that's really so far off, like, you know, you're not going to be doing, you know, uh, necessarily things that aren't fitness related that aren't on brand but it doesn't all have to be your boutique style of training and it's you know even some of the you know i love the example of mcdonald's right mcdonald's is more of a real estate company than they are of a fast food franchise or they get their little bit but they're buying land and they're getting rent yeah it's, you know if the franchisee you know makes money doesn't make money they're getting their rent they're covering that and then the rest is gravy whereas in a in a fitness facility, if you have a revenue share with trainers or you rent space or you sublease, whatever it is, it's like, as long as these things don't put your brand at risk, yeah, right? insulating yourself, protecting yourself is one way that can go into a viable option. In the yeah. other way, I mean, you're a service-minded individual. I'm sure you've seen this. You're also able to provide people with opportunities who can't go out and get a lease who or you know, want, can't, you know, think that they got to go from training at the Globo gym 
to going and renting out a big space where you can help somebody take a little bit of risk yep. versus a lot. So you're providing opportunities that also have an upside for you. Yeah, I, I think that's huge. And just a social worker in me, I feel a responsibility to almost educate people who are renting from me as well, because they get an opportunity to see how I'm running the gym, because some of them do aspire to have their own facility one day. So they see how I do the programs and the scheduling and, and you know, just how I keep the place and the functionality of it. And they is an valuable education. And then I, I also let the trainers who I pay as contractors, I also let them independently bring clients in and pay a rental. So some people have clients under our brand, but then we all know there's a split between you know, what's coming in between the, the gym and the actual trainer. So if I can offer them some type of, um, see it as a part-time gig for them, right? Hey, I can get three clients on my own and I can charge them whatever I want, but Baker is going to let me pay X amount to rent the space. I come out better than I would working under him. Right, right. In, in a way, you're also, you're kind of paying it forward because you had that first gym owner that was, showed you the example, probably gave you some information. So now you can say like, hey, you can do it your way. You can take your ideas. But if if there's something that I already tried, I can show you how it worked or didn't work here. Or you're offering a little bit of mentorship on top of just collecting rent. And hey, you're on your own. Pay me yeah. your rent and go figure it out. Yeah, you're, you're adding a little bit of value there that they might not get somewhere else. Yeah, that's exactly what kind of what the model is. Uh... I always feel like, I mean, and as a business owner, I guess I consider myself more of a business owner than anything these days, but I feel, sure like I, me. I feel like I've taken a five-year course, a business course. And all I'm doing is just taking the information that wasn't necessarily given to me. I had to seek the information, but if I can save somebody a little bit of time and a headache, you know, avoiding some of the things that I ran into, why not? For sure. For sure. One of the things that um, we talked about a little bit off the air and we're speaking about, you know, just just collecting the rent check and telling people, you know, they're good luck um, in, in real estate in picking the location. You chose a spot where you're in an apartment building and surrounded by some other apartment buildings. And I'm sure that came with a little bit of a price premium. And on the surface, it sounds, you know, one of the questions I asked you was like, Hey, do you have a lot of clients coming from your apartment building? And that's something that people might assume is always going to happen. But your experience has been that it's not necessarily going to. So what talk us through kind of expectations versus reality for you in your particular situation. So initially uh, going into this commercial space, you know, like you said, the overhead was a, was a, was a big increase, but I saw the potential of, what we could do with just more than one person. So I already started hiring even before I moved over to the space, just so I can kind of outfit the staff um, so that if we got a big wave of people, we can we could address them. Obviously, I, I was too busy. You know, I was already overwhelmed, so I couldn't take more clients. So starting out, I had to make sure I had at least a couple of trainers that could take on some people. Um, and then with the apartment building, the tenants, I mean, the residents, 
Um, they know that, that we're there because we're literally at the bottom level when they walk out. But the apartment building and buildings surrounding all have gyms inside of them. Um, and the leasing company, uh, the apartment complex, it hasn't been necessarily helpful uh, to getting the message out about our, our services and stuff like that. We started out corresponding through like emails and and then I start checking the engagement that they were getting and our social media was thriving more than theirs were. So it really, they really weren't helping us much. Um, so we just kind of try to do stuff and put things maybe out on the street to make people want to come in, <laughs> you know, when they do walk by, as opposed to, I guess, soliciting to them and like trapping them down and handing them flyers and stuff when they walk out the building and stuff like that. So we just, we wanted to be organic because I feel like the people who want to be in the space, ultimately they'll be in the space. Yeah, for sure. And you, you don't want to, uh, you don't want to rock the boat too much with management. Something that I realized and people listening are, are probably thinking of is like, yeah, the apartments have all the gyms, but you're a coaching facility. You're offering something that's different. So maybe they start off working at that gym and then they figure out like, Hey, I need help. I need something. So maybe it's a good way to kind of take people's fitness to the next level. And in what you do, you are a, a boutique niche offering, right? A unique brand of fitness, a unique belief in fitness that, that you're trying to spread and, you know, in the market that you're in. So, you know, as people find that and discover it, what would you say does set you apart? Like what is the, the ethos of your business in what people are going to find there and not in another gym? I think just the community aspect of it. Uh, I think what I've been able to build is an expectation that everybody looks after each other, right? I do things from a social worker standpoint. Some days when they come in, I might have cool free things that they can have, you know, or tapping into the local small businesses, a nutritional service, or having people come in and do pop-ups. So the level of care is just a little bit different and that people can actually interact with each other. The way it's set up, we have like a cafe type area. Um, and it's nearby where everybody puts their coats and jackets and keys and phones and stuff. So it turns into like, a, it has a social as aspect to it. Um, and people hold each other accountable. You know, it's, it's not aggressive, but, you know, people, sometimes they wonder, you know, where is this person? Or, you know, I'll have them, you know, I may check on them and say, hey, somebody asked about you. So it's constant communication between the members, the trainers. It's not just like coming for your session and leave. You know, we have a check-in uh, system that we use for the trainers to, to stay connected to their clients. It's very similar to what I did in social work. Um, you go out and you see people, but you got to talk to them in between time. And then you got to give them skills on how to do whatever they need to do when you're not there. Got it. So when it comes to the marketing and messaging, you know, Richmond is, it's an up and coming area. I think 
you know, if we look at, you know, different business qualifications, it's tier two, right? You're out, you're, you're outside just enough of DC between, you know, DC, Atlanta, North Carolina to where like, it's not on the cutting edge of things. So when you have something that's a little different, you can be ahead of your time. So, you know, one of the most powerful things that we have is various channels of marketing and messaging. So what's worked best for you so far as far as spreading the word, hey, this is who we are at BUF. This is why we're different. This is why you should come check us out, um, being that you are a little ahead of the curve there. I think, honestly, my, my ability to engage with the community. So I've done a lot of work with nonprofits, uh, collaboration with other fitness brands and other fitness influencers, um, but organic stuff, not just you know, pinning these people down, really having conversation with people, even meeting with other gym owners, having a, you know, coffee and talking about, you know, ways that we can cross promote. Um, or if they have, they're having an event, I'll go and I'll, I'll, sh I'll show up and meet people. Uh, I've joined a, a, lot, a few business organizations um, that that's, they really cater to connecting business owners together. So, uh, the word of mouth is, is another way we, you know, we use, we use our clients to not use our clients, but we ask our clients to refer people. We offer incentives for our clients who refer people. Um, our trainers get referral bonuses for referring clients in. And then obviously social media has been huge, huge because I guess it, it started out reflecting my personality. A lot of people have been drawn to it just because it seems like a personal journey. And then I kind of transformed it into the brand. I don't speak myself uh, into a lot of the posts and stuff, but I do sh make sure that I show who I am and people still see me, but I promote my trainers. I promote the the clients I promote like what we stand for and that's that's honestly been the biggest thing got it so you're you've gone really heavy on networking on social media on um you know different events and community but basically all fall under the umbrella for those who've listened to a lot of our episodes you mostly have been on the organic side haven't gone super heavy into paid advertising, Google, Facebook, Instagram, you still mostly been like guerrilla marketing, hand-to-hand, -hand, just just people talking to people more than anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's a science to that. I mean, if you know how to connect with people in, in social work, that's huge because you work with people from all walks of life, people who have all types of things going on. So your ability to relate and connect is there's a thing that I think can one help with retention? Um, you know, it's showing just a level of care that okay, this guy really does, you know, these people really do care, like they check on us, and you know, it has that personal feel. I think the intimate part of it, I think that's what draws people in. Absolutely. With that being said, the connection, the community, the intimate feel. Um, Eventually, part of part of the dream of the design of this is to have multiple locations, maybe to expand service offerings as you go. 
how do you, or, or what do you think is going to be the key to maintaining that balance of social community, intimate feel, but also spreading it to a, a larger number of people? I think with the social part, just continue to do, you know, what we're doing. And now that we are a lot, I'm a lot busier. Um, I see that as being a challenge for me, just keeping up with all the events and things that are going on in the community. Richmond is a big outside city. People love to be outside. We always have festivals and pop-ups. and It's tons of, there's a big small business community um, in the city. So there's always a way to meet some, someone new. Uh, but I think the social media part, um, I don't know if that will fizzle out at some point. I'm sure Instagram will be gone at one uh, someday, right? Someday, I think TikTok <laughs> will replace it at some point. But something, something, yeah, something, something, and then the next thing, and then the next thing. Exactly. So, uh, just continue to just just to push things out. You know, we do paid advertising some sometimes. We do Google, the Google My Business. You know, we try to get people to write reviews and things like that. But I think the Google SEO, that's just my thought. I think that is one investment, like a big investment that I wanna make towards. Cause I think that's something that's seamless that I don't really have to monitor as much. You don't have to post a whole lot. And, you know, and I, I look at some of the other fitness brands and sometimes they don't even have a big social media presence, but they have, great membership right yeah yeah there's there's a, a lot of different ways to approach it um before i forget i think this is something that comes maybe doesn't come up enough when when you're trying to be a high touch personal service business um have you instilled at this location or do you think you ever will as you expand um member capacity limits and if so you know where are you you know now and what do you see that being in the future um i think i have in my head you know a member capacity and still small you know compared to most places but i think if i had multiple clubs and we could have you know maybe a hundred people i think that keeps it to where people can still interact people can know each other but what i would like to do in the future is having an open gym component because that's a question that we get from people who i mean we're downtown so we get a lot of walking by traffic and sometimes people pop in from out of town and they say hey do you offer open gym you know and i just hate to turn their their beautiful american dollars away <laughs> you know so every time like we get one of those questions you know as an entrepreneur it makes you think of how can i add if or if i can add this service yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where I know you kind of said it off the cuff, like you don't want to turn away their beautiful American dollars. But I know behind that is you saying like, I want to help as many people as I can. Absolutely. In whatever way fits my brand, fits my capacity. And you know, if you serve more people, the business is healthier, then you can serve more people. It's this virtuous cycle of if I lead with helping, it's just going to feed into something that's just going to make a bigger impact. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, that's who I am. I, I realized a long time ago that 
I'm just, I'm a server. You know, I know, I knew I was born to, to help people and any way that I can do that, I try to make sure that if it fits within the realm of the business, you know, I've created services, services off of people asking questions sometimes, you know, sometimes the best idea comes from someone else. You know, as soon as there's a need, I go, well, let me think about that. So it's really about being creative. I, I think that's, that's, that's been the biggest thing. Like I said, we've done stuff with nonprofits to where they write us into their 501c grant to do a training program for two months. You know, that's, that is revenue for our business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and that's, you know, I think, like you said, you realize that you're a server, you have that, that serving mentality I don't know that there are a lot of businesses that are better for somebody like you and I who have that to end up in. So safe to say you're right where you're supposed to be and, and poised for success over the years. And I know you have the, the work ethic to back it up. So we are just about out of time, sir. But before I let you go, I want to make sure our listeners can keep track of you, see what you're doing. I know the website is bakerunifiedfitness.com. Where else are you? What are your social media handles? Where can people find more of what you're doing? So Baker Unified Fitness um, on Instagram and Facebook, same thing, Baker Unified. Sometimes people say United because that F kind of curves over. So we get that a lot. So Baker Unified Fitness is the name, but Facebook, Instagram, everything is Baker Unified Fitness, even the website, www.bakerunifiedfitness.com. All right, sir. Well, I greatly appreciate you being here with us today. Been a pleasure having you on. I wish you continued success in all of your ventures. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, man. I, I've, I've been a fan, so I'm glad to be a part of this. You're, you're very welcome. And, and we, we, you, we can't thank you enough. In our audience, too, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you want to hear more, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. We're pumping them out as fast as we can. We want to get out stories. If you want to share yours, hit us up. We'd love to share what you're doing too. To everyone out there in Jim Ward's nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Ward's out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Works Podcast. I will be your host today. My name is JJ Hernandez. And joining us on the show is a very special guest. It is the one and only Chris Tamer with CrossFit Brighton out of Michigan. Chris, what is going on today? Happy Monday. How are you doing today, brother? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, things are going well here in Michigan. How are you doing, JJ? Always good. Always good. I hope you had a great weekend. I know you're a father yourself. <laughs> yeah, Father's Day was fun. Got a chance yeah, to see go. my dad and uh, my kids reached out. I have three kids, so that's always a fun uh, 
fun day for us. There we go. There we go. And look, we're excited to have you on today, Chris. But before we dive into the nitty gritty of what you have going on, you know, first, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you describe the business to people and what made you get started in the first place? Well, it's tough to describe CrossFit. What I, I would describe the way uh, or describe our gym as a strength and conditioning, um, strength and conditioning gym. And I would explain that um, explain our, our class format and that everybody works out together. Um, everybody it's coach led everybody warms up together. There's a skill session, there's a metabolic conditioning session, and then some, um, strength or skill work following. It's a one hour long class. After that, I would explain to them that, uh, it's more about building habits and making sure that they're coming to the gym the same way they're brushing their teeth, the same way they eat food, the same way they go to work. It's, it's a daily thing for them. And if they can build those habits into, uh, into their lives, then it's going to help them live a longer, more capable life, which is, which is the goal, because our goal is general fitness. So I would explain that to them. Um, it's tough to get too, uh, too involved in the explanations of CrossFit. Um, we just simply keep it. We keep it pretty simple when we're explaining CrossFit. Yeah, 100%. I just want to piggyback on one thing you mentioned there, Chris. It's that that external accountability always becomes that internal habit. And that's exactly what you're doing, right? Because at the end of the day, people always need that little bit of a push, right? To do, even what's realistic and sustainable, they still need that push to get to that point to realize that, hey, this is realistic and sustainable because they don't know what they don't know. So I love that mentality there, Chris. That's awesome. And so let's kind of just dive right into the bare bones basics here. And we'll start with this, right? So how many members are you guys at currently, Chris? We're uh, around the 250 range. Awesome. So we okay. hover anywhere around there. Summertime, we get a little busier. We get close to 300. Yeah. Would you say you're back to your uh, pre-pandemic numbers just yet or not really? Uh, we're beyond our pre-pandemic um, numbers okay. by a little bit, by a little bit. Okay. So we had a cool. bump in the road with this pandemic, um, but it didn't, it wasn't a pothole where it took our our tires out. It was just a bump in the road that we, we dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta evolve with the innovation, right? So I love that. And way to stay sturdy, you know, a lot of people didn't make it out. And the fact that you are here, that's what I always say. That's a big accomplishment. And it's the fact that you're still open. Right. So uh, I love that. Chris. And so let, let's dive into this too. So I'll use myself as the avatar. So it kind of just makes everything simple. So if I came in, Chris, and I'm like, Hey, you know what? I'm ready to get started yesterday. Let's do this thing. Boom. What would I then have to pay to become an active member? Well, the first step would be, uh, and by the way, we love when people come in and are ready to, ready to join. It makes the sales process a whole lot easier. But it all starts with a conversation. They come in. Um, we set up a meeting. It's, a, it's just simply a meeting that uh, we ask them questions and we let them guided questions. And we let them talk for the first 10 minutes. We ask them why they're here what they did do, uh, what they've been doing, what's worked for them, what hasn't, what obstacles that uh, are in their way. Is their spouse or significant other supportive of what they're doing? We even ask them what class times work for you. And uh, you know, what time of the day do you like to work out? And how's the location of the gym for you? So we have some guided questions. We let them do the first, the talking for the first 10 minutes. And then after that, Usually we go into 
um, a 12 week transformation package, which is $900. And that includes 12 weeks. And we can split it up into three payments of 300. And what they do is they get personal training, unlimited group classes, and nutrition coaching. And they'll get four in-body scans. They'll get four meetings with a nutrition coach. And they'll get uh, um, food log review. So that's our package is what we typically start with. But again, we're going off what they want. If they just want to join group classes, that's fine. Um, some of them want personal training. And some of them just want nutrition coaching. So we have those options for them. Yeah. Yeah, I love the value stack with that first offer, too. I think, you know, realistically, people, it, when they make a purchase, one, yeah, it's obviously it's based off of emotion, but number two, they have to see the value, right? And when you come with something as much as you're offering there, right, as long as they feel like they're getting the better end of the stick, they're going to run with what you got. And I think that's awesome. I think that's a great offering, the fact that you give them all the tools they need to make sure that they're accountable on all ends, not just in, in terms of a physical sense with working out, but just with the nutrition, people they lack that so strongly. The fact that it can be a one-stop shop for all their needs at that point. Absolutely. Is, and that's one of the questions uh, we ask them is how's their nutrition? And that usually comes up with what obstacles are in their way. And, uh, and then they realize that, you know, this is a good deal. This is what they need because they came in saying they don't have the motivation to go to a gym. They don't have the knowledge which means they're not going to get the results. Um, they do fairly well on nutrition. Ask them a few more questions and realize they may or may not. Maybe they fall apart on the weekends, and that's a big part of nutrition. Um, and they need accountability with nutrition. So when we offer it, it's a legitimate offer, and it's something they really need, and it's something good for them. Like this isn't – it's $900, but, geez, three payments to $300 to start developing the proper habits – that could really change their life. This is a great deal for them. Yeah, 120%. And you are changing lives. It genuinely are. And I love that you mentioned it that way. You know, it's not like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get you in the shape. No, you're changing lives for sure. And so, you know, of those 250 clients that you're at right now, right? What's been the best method of finding new clients? So how how have you been finding most of those and people to get through the door? That's a great question. Um, when we started out in 2008, no one knew about CrossFit. It wasn't a name. We weren't getting people from out of town or someone that would come in and say, my sister, my brother in a different town does CrossFit and had great results. So we had, uh, which was, it was good. It was good because we had to create, create, uh, the marketing effort and word of mouth. And a lot of it was word of mouth. Um, and we do different things around the gym, like have bring a friend, um, we always ask people, we have a 100-day journey, so we contact new members on the 30-day, 60-day, and 90-day. And one of the questions is, would you refer Would you refer anyone to CrossFit? And if they're still around after 90 days, they're going to refer people if they've been around that long. So we ask for referrals. Um, we do some other stuff, but we also do some paid ads nice. on social media, which is not my expertise, so I like to hand that off. But uh, we've had some good um good traction with that yeah that's awesome and, and and if you had to put like a an estimate or a guesstimate if you will unless you know fully that we should be great too um how many clients or prospects would you say you see coming in in a month just off of what you're doing currently 
with the paid ads? Uh, with, with all combined, you know, with just all the marketing efforts you do put together, or it could be a weekly basis too, if that makes it easier. I'm not sure how you'd go about tracking, but like, I obviously you have to consider turn rate and whatnot, but let's say remove that for here, uh, you know, with the marketing efforts you have put together, how many would you say walk through the door um, for you? We can get over 20 leads a month. And out of Got that, it. how many we get coming in the gym and scheduling an appointment. We've got a couple, probably about 10, 10 appointments a month. And out of that, we closed the majority of them. And those yeah. are just, I'm just, they, don't quote me on these numbers. I look at them every month, but I'm not 100% yeah. sure. I don't have the sheet up right now. Yeah, totally fine, which is why I mentioned that, that guesstimate, estimate, whatnot. So totally fine. Um, and I think that's a great number, the fact that uh, you could even get <laughs> that many, right? Because I think oftentimes, you know, the the people focus too much on, on how people are coming in, but the fact that you're able to understand it's also a conversion, right? It's like, okay, people, we get 20 leads, but realistically, how many are walking through the door and how many are actually converting? So that's great. And the fact that you took into consideration all of those things there too. And so now, but let's say this here, um, Chris, if, if, if marketing leads, clients, whatever you want to say, if all of that was unlimited, right? Let's say, you had endless amounts coming through the door every single month. Hypothetically speaking, of course, how many could you realistically even handle? That's a good question. Um, another good question. I think we can handle well into the 300s. I think 400 would be a lot. Um, I think if 325 would be a good number, maybe close to 350. We've got about 40 classes throughout the week. We have a maximum amount of people in class. So people reserve spots in classes. They check in. Um, so we keep, uh, we keep fairly busy. We do have openings in our classes though. So um, that's a good question. And that's something to, something good to think about because yeah. you could have more people. That's great. But if quality falls off and our service falls off, then it's not good. It's not a good thing. And I wouldn't want to, sacrifice any of the members that we have any of the the experiences that uh, of the members that we have at our gym for the sake of attracting new people um and so i think that's more important is the quality of what we offer so and i think we do have space available yeah 100 percent. i think that's super important taking into consideration too right it's i mean obviously the community and the culture you've built is thanks to the position you're in now right the, you've decided to take on you know, the people who you, because it, it's not only has to make sense for them, it has to make sense for you as well, right? Somebody's not going to be a good fit. I'm sure you're not going to jeopardize the community and the culture just for, you know, one monthly membership, right? So I think that's a big consideration there too, you know, and also again, space limitations, right? You don't want it to be where everybody's crammed or, you know, overdoing classes where it loses that that intimacy or that connection from, you know, the coaches or the coach to the the actual clients. They don't in CrossFit, you're always going to have somewhat of a, of a semi-private or small group setting. So yeah, I think that's a great thing to take into consideration, you know, because I think people just look at the the bigger number as opposed to the quality of the experience. So I love well, it. We're still getting invited to graduation parties and weddings and we're still having celebrations and we go golfing with our members or get invited to different things. And members are doing that, going out after class, going, uh, grabbing coffee or grabbing a drink. 
if that stuff's still going on and I walk around the gym and I hear someone say, Hey, we'll see you tomorrow. Right. And it's one member saying it to another member, then we've got a good culture there. And that's something good. And that's something we want to make sure we're going to continue, which is the most important thing. To maintain that. I love it, Chris. I love it. And so, you know, one last question on the top two clients here. So how do you go about tracking LTV, right? Lifetime, sorry, lifetime value, um, churn rate, you know, what's been the best system to understand how many members are coming in, how many are falling off and knowing how long they've been a member for? That's another good question. And the lifetime value isn't our memberships renew every, uh, every four weeks. So it's hard to keep track. Can't just pull up a sheet off of our, uh, our business software, pull up a file and have it give us a number of exactly our lifetime value of a client. But we do track how many we lose every month, how many we gain every month. Um, again, our goal is to have people go through a hundred day journey and, and create healthy habits. And if we can, if they can stick with us for a hundred days, we got a great chance of keeping for years. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, the, and that's statistic. That's, that's probably standard for you guys too, right? I mean, I think, when you understand what that mark is to then keep them past that, like, you know, one, two, three year mark. So we've been there since 2008 and I'm sure you've got folks who've been there for, for so long. So I think the fact that, you know, that there's just that, that medium where it's like, they just have to get here. Um, I think that makes the process a lot easier. Right. So, you know, you know how much you have to nurture in between then and, 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 you know, now and then I'm sorry, you know, and to be able to keep them consistent and recount to that point, I think it becomes, more of like a method as opposed to just a guessing game, right? That statistic goes so far. So I, I love that. And especially it's a hundred days, right? It's like, it sounds so simple, but you know, I think, uh, let me ask you this. I kind of want to piggyback on this now that I'm thinking about it. What do you think you can improve in that hundred day process to make sure people can stick more? I'd really like to, uh, that's a great question because that's the, like, that's the key. That's the essence of the hundred days is how do we, how do we keep them? How do we improve that? Um, it's not easy. I think metrics, if you can get, uh, get people to measure certain, certain things, I think that would help. For example, we have an in-body, so they can do a body composition. Um, we could throw that in there. We could have uh, how they're doing in the gym, performance metrics, how they're doing with their conditioning or how they're doing with their strength uh, in some of the exercises. Because if they have certain specific goals and we do try to lock them into specific goals, but if they can lay those out, I think that would be a great ad because then they got something they're working towards. They're not just going to the gym. They've got a goal of, I want to get this score for a workout. I want to deadlift this much. I want to back squat this much. I want to be able to keep moving for an entire workout, whatever the goals is. And everyone's at their own level and everyone trains at their own level. But if they have goals, um, as a former athlete, for me, that's what that's what clicked with me is that if I had goals and something to shoot for, you know, I'd write down goals in the beginning of the season. Um, it it made it better. I had more of a purpose. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's just simply future pacing, right? I think being able to get them to understand, like, hey, you know, even if you really realize that it's you know, there's yeah, thirty days, six days, a hundred days, but even past that, like, if you want to get to here, it's going to take way more than just this. And I think what people can comprehend and understand that this is a lifetime battle if they want to keep consistent, you know, and to get them past a hundred days, then they have to look further than that, right? Not just at that hundred day mark, but just further. So just 
to highlight the future facing. I love that you, you understand that completely. It's like they have to have that goal going down the road because how do you think these folks who go from 300, 400 pounds to then competing and stepping on stage? I mean, that's that's longevity, right? But it's future facing and understanding, hey, yeah, you've lost 100 pounds, you lost 200 pounds. How, how do they get to get in competition? It's that future pace. So I love that, Chris. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, here's a little bit of a longer winded question, similar to what I just asked you before, but just in a, in a, in a bigger um, span of the more broad sense. So, you know, um, in the fitness and gym industry, I'm sure, you know, there's about three pillars of business we use pretty predominantly, and that's going to be your lead generation, which is your marketing, your client acquisition, which is your sales, and then your retention and ascension, which is keeping your clients longer, but getting them to buy more from you in that process. Um, so of those three, Chris, where do you feel like you could improve the most? I think we can improve on all three of them. I, I think that's the great thing about owning a gym. You get to, um, if you're not trying to improve on everything, but if I had to pick just one um, out of, uh, out of marketing, bringing them in um, the sales or retention, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I do appreciate marketing and it's great to get people in, but I also, I also know that there's good fits. There's, there's good fit. And there's just sometimes people come in and aren't good fits and group classes isn't for them and they don't want to work out with other people. And that's hundred percent fine. Um, we can do personal training, but the, the CrossFit group class led um, instructor led setting isn't for them. I think we do fairly well with retention I think our intro process is pretty good. So we've got uh, three managers, John, Darcy, and myself that all do the intros and we all keep track and we all do the goal reviews after. Um, I think we're fairly good at that. Um, so that, that's a good question. I'd have to, I'd have to think more about that in terms <laughs> of uh, what could be better. Yeah, no, and no, I appreciate that. Well, uh, let me just say this too, Chris, you know, cause Oftentimes when we cover that question, I think uh, a lot of people, they mention, you know, or they want to stay on top of the, of, of the good and they have a hard time, you know, really admitting where they can improve, which is totally okay. But I just want to say, I appreciate the honesty and transparency. I'm sure the viewers do as well. Like you've been in business, you know, since 2008 and understanding that you can still improve and that regardless of success, there's still room for growth. I love that. I think that's awesome. I think Chris. absolutely. We can improve on retention and we've got great quality people that have been there for 10 years but we also have to retain the next person that walks in the door, the, the door and jumps into class and may or not may or may not have the motivation. We have to figure out a way to get in their, get in their brains, get to know them, show them that they can work out at our place. Um, and obviously our, our sales process that can always get better. I'm not a professional salesman. I'm just a good listener, but I think that can improve. And then the marketing, which is, again, that's not my strength. My strength isn't uh, Facebook ads, um, but we are using them and, and it's, it is effective, but I'm sure that can be better. And I don't, I've always had this idea that if I thought I've, I've become an expert at something, then I'm going to stop trying to improve. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, uh, and just admit here and just to agree with you, I think you're not supposed to be a professional marketer, right? You're a fitness professional, not, not a professional marketer regards. I don't think you're supposed to be. So I think that's totally okay. But again, appreciate the honesty and transparency there, Chris. That's awesome stuff. And last two questions for you here. 
my two favorite questions. I'm really curious to see your responses because you gave me some great ones so far. So, um, you know, long term, what's the bigger picture? What are you trying to accomplish down the road? The uh, I like how things are run. I like when things are run smoothly. I like when there's processes set up. And if I can work hard to create one process that's going to save a thousand steps, then I would do that. And that's what I've been trying to do um, for myself, for our managers, for one of our 12 coaches. If our coaches can come in and just coach, they don't have to worry about whatever else, then then that's that would be that's one of the ongoing goals is just to make sure that the processes are set, things run smooth, and our coaches can coach, our managers can manage, manage the nutrition coaches can take care of what they do. Um, if that can happen, then and they it frees up their time and their bandwidth in order to do what they're good at and what they want to do. Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's huge. I think that's such a great point to you. Just the fact that it's 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 really just about almost not even making things more complicated, but simplifying everything, right? Just because processes make everything simpler and to make it easier for everybody. I think that's it's awesome there. And so last question here but the best question and uh i'll word it a little differently here so i think it they sound a little better so you know if you could go back in time chris to when you first started the gym and you could speak to yourself sit yourself down and give yourself that one piece of advice that you think you really needed to hear when you first started what would that advice be for you you know that's a tough question that's a uh, it gets you thinking i i really believe that uh you could spend a lot of time going back and saying, I should have done this or I should have done that, but life doesn't work that way. And, and you do the best with you, you the best at the time with the, the information that you have at that time. So it's hard to put yourself in that situation, knowing what you know now, I would say, try more, do more stuff. Because if you're, if you really want to get better and let's say you try something that doesn't work, well, you're going to, you're going to do something different. You're going to change what you tried. Or you're just not going to do that again, and you're going to try something else. And eventually, you're going to figure out that something works, and you're going to find what works. So we've tried a lot of stuff. We've tried everything um, over the last, we're 14 years. We're going on our 15th year here at CrossFit Brighton, and uh, I don't regret any of them, even the ones that shake my head at and say, what were, what were you thinking then? But I don't, I don't uh, regret any of them because they're all either a good learning experience or it turned out well. It's what brought you to where you're at today. I love that. I love that, man. Talk about a mic drop of an answer. <laughs> I love it, Chris. That's awesome stuff, man. Look, it's a pretty good place to wrap things up on this episode, Chris. Before we sign out, you know, please, be my pleasure, shout out, I mean, shout out, sorry, excuse me, shout out your Facebook, your Instagram, website, anything you may have. Where's a good place for people to find out more about you and the gym? So we are on uh, Instagram at CrossFit Brighton, XFit Brighton on Instagram. We have, uh, we post there. Um, we do have Facebook, Facebook page at CrossFit Brighton. Um, we're at CrossFitBrighton.com. We're in, we're in Brighton, Michigan. So that's where you can find us. I love it. I love it. Look, we absolutely appreciate your time and contribution to the podcast. and look forward to seeing what you can accomplish down the road. Um, and to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. Don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit the like and subscribe button. And if you want to come in, join us and talk about your fitness business, click the link in the description. 
fill it out, but our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always, till next time, Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more, or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Miss Beth Moore of CrossFit Hyattsville, coming to you from Hyattsville, Maryland. Beth, what's going on? How are you today? Hey, I'm good, Joe. How are you doing? I am doing fantastically, Beth. I'm, I'm excited to pick your brain here as someone coming from a different industry, incredibly educated in knowledge or in the field that you were in previously, but deciding to make the leap into the fitness realm and the seat of being a business owner. I'm excited to dig through your brain and see what kind of lessons we can extract out of there. But before we do that, before we talk strategy and, and tactics and the like, talk to us a little bit about CrossFit Hyattsville in the first place. I'm a big believer in context here. And so when you describe this gym and what it is that you do, what do you tell people? Yeah, sure. So CrossFit Hyattsville, we opened in February, 2016 in Hyattsville, Maryland, which is just outside of Washington, DC. Uh, it's also near the University of Maryland in College Park. Uh, we have about 5,700 square feet, uh, including an outdoor rig uh, as well. We primarily offer group CrossFit classes throughout the day. We also do some personal training and foundations training for those who are new to CrossFit. And just recently, we've started renting out our space uh, to physical therapists. And then also we're kind of been talking with a couple of other coaches in the area for maybe renting out to local teams or something like that, just to try and utilize the space during the day when we're not having class. Sure. And so in its essence, right, CrossFit Box, everybody in the country or, or people that listen to this podcast at least knows what CrossFit is at this point. There's not a lot of work that we need to do to explain what CrossFit is, but at the heart of this CrossFit Box, but we've since expanded into a number of other ventures and, and tangible offerings that make sense for the population that we serve. Beth, take us back a little bit. I want to I wanna look backwards before we evaluate where we are today. When did this whole thing get started? When did the idea spark in your mind? I'm going to open up a gym. Sure. So it was probably back in 2014, so a good two years before we actually opened. I had been working a corporate job for about 12 years at that point in human resources. 
And I was just to the point where I was thinking, you know, is this what I want to do long term or are there other career options for me? And I had always had this notion that maybe one day I would own a gym and um, I decided, you know, if not now, when uh, I had been saving money along the way each year. And so I felt like I was ready financially uh, to kind of try this new venture and open up a gym. So we started looking for space in Hyattsville and the process took a lot longer than I anticipated. Uh, it took about two years to find our, our space, but uh, I'm glad that everything worked out the way it did. We have a fantastic landlord and a, a fabulous space that has worked well with, for us since the beginning and uh, to current day uh, today. Yeah, and so it's been a little while that you have been the CrossFit owner. Walk us through sort of from a high level at least, what's been your favorite part about owning this business so far? And then after that, what's been the most challenging part about owning this business so far? Sure, uh, I'll start with the, the challenging part. Uh, which is you can't do all of this work by yourself and you need to have a great team. And I've been really fortunate to have great coaches and other people help me along the way. Um, the hard thing is making sure that you have enough people to help. <laughs> and so you know, some of our coaches have relocated for work or family reasons. Uh, and so I think just being able to have the, the right number of coaches um, throughout the years is, is always going to be a challenge. And I think that's a challenge that any new gym owner should think about and, and make sure that they're constantly looking for new talent to bring on to their coaching staff. Uh, in terms of what I've really enjoyed, uh, I would say it's just the day-to-day the -day interactions with my members. Uh, obviously, I know all of them by name. I can tell you probably who their significant other is and what they do and what movements are their favorites. And uh, just seeing them progress you know, over time, either lifting heavier weights or getting their first pull up or running a 400 meters nonstop, you know, all those wins we get to celebrate together. And that's, you know, just makes me happy every single day. And gets me excited about going in and coaching every day. Yeah, I think all of the gym owners in this country would agree that staffing at appropriate times is a challenge that even the best business owners still face. And so I think you hit the nail on the head there. As far as the membership and, and the business as it stands now, I think it would be ignorant to ignore the last two plus years of, of craziness in our industry. Um, and a lot of the owners that I talk to are still reeling and recovering from the ripple effect of that. How do your membership numbers now compare to 2019 or, or early 2020? Yeah, sure. Our, uh, our member numbers, you know, obviously they did decrease during COVID, uh, which is not surprising. But we had a lot of members who had already been with us for several years who wanted to continue to support the gym even while we were closed. And so they continued to pay their dues. 
And they said, we want to make sure that we have this gym to, to go to once this pandemic ends and whatever that might look like, uh, whenever that happens, we want to make sure that you're around and that we have this great community to go to. And so I was really fortunate that many of my members continued uh, supporting us and paying dues. And I had kind of a lending library of equipment so people could come in if they wanted to borrow a pair of dumbbells. Sure. They could do that. And then if they, you know, texted me and said, Hey, I, I think I've outgrown my 20 pair or 20 pound pair of dumbbells. Can I grab a pair of 25? And so I kind of organized equipment exchanges. And so that way people could follow along with us at home. And we did Zoom classes and YouTube videos. So it just, you know, we kept everything going and uh, people really appreciated that and supported us. So, uh, yeah, I was really lucky that. Um, we, like I said, there was a, a dip, but we've basically made it back to pre-COVID times in terms of our membership our numbers. numbers. Now are, are fairly similar to where they were? Yes. Okay. And now sort of to flip that question on its head, as you look to the future and big picture this thing, is there a membership number that you're shooting for? Or, or what is, I guess, capacity given the, the size of the facility and the resources you have? Yeah, I mean, we definitely can have more members uh, at the gym during class if we wanted to. Uh, I would say during COVID, I set up a kind of a grid system within the gym to space people out. So that way everyone felt like they had enough room to work out. And I've continued that even, what is it now, two and a half years later, yep. uh, just because members really like it. Uh, they like having their own space. Um, and you know, I think I'll, I'll continue to do that until it feels time to take the grid system away. Um, and, you know, pre-COVID, we might have had 16 to 24 people in class. Right now, we are around 12 to 15 per class. Sure. And I think also it helps make the member experience better by getting um, smaller class sizes. They have more time with the coach to help them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, they have more space in general to drop their barbell or sure. you know, whatever <laughs> the workout entails. Uh, so uh, to answer your question, my, my goal is to make the class hour the best hour of everyone's day and the member numbers will take care of themselves. So I don't have a, a set goal for the number of members. Um, I just want to make sure that my current members are feel like they're taken care of and uh, happy. And then if we continue to grow like we have been, then that's great. Sure. And, and so devil's advocate sort of question here. We're, we're somewhat artificially keeping a cap on class size with the grid system, like you said, better member experience, they're getting more time with a coach. Have you adjusted pricing to affect that at all? No, actually, I haven't changed my prices basically since I opened. Uh, I mean, I had a, an initial offering that was cheaper when I first opened. Uh, and then I switched over to my current pricing in 2017. And I haven't changed it since then. 
I which see. I probably should have. Is that, yeah, I was going to say, is that something that's on your radar? <laughs> I, you know, I'm, def- I'm willing to bet that everything else that goes into running the gym is going up in terms of cost. You are correct. Yes. My rent has gone up, my utilities. Uh, I bought six air scrubbers uh, to yep. put throughout the facility to help clean the air. Uh, definitely my cleaning supplies uh, budget has gone up. Oh, yeah. Uh, it just, I guess, you know, in retrospect, it would have been great if I had done a rate increase in, say, 2019. But then once COVID happened and members kept paying, even though we weren't having class or, sure. you know. Probably not the best time to put it. Was, it didn't feel like the best moment. time. Yeah. And But and something then, to explore, at least now, yes. as we return to some level of normalcy. No, absolutely. Yeah. And because even in 2021, you know, we were still kind of dealing with this COVID and people were wearing masks and it still just never felt like the right time. But I feel now that we're in the middle of 2022, it's probably yeah, good for me to, to revisit that. Sure. Sure. And, and so exploring the idea, I mean, pricing is one way that we can tinker with revenue and, and pull a lever there. You said, do we have room to add more people to the membership? Probably. We have at least some capacity here. And so what has marketing looked like for you? How, thus far at least, how have you been able to generate leads and, and attract new members? Yeah, primarily through referrals, word of mouth. So a lot of our members um, will tell their friends, family, coworkers, neighbors uh, about the experience that they're having at CFH. And so that will bring in quite a few prospects. We also have prospects who just Google, uh, use Google to find either a gym nearby or CrossFit specifically, and will come in for that particular reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't done any ads on Facebook or Instagram. Um, it's, it's just worked well right now anyway for the referrals and then using Google primarily. Yeah. You, you mentioned not having done any kind of advertising thus far, at least. Do you think it's something that you'll entertain as you move forward with the business? I th- yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I'm always open to it. And, you know, there are a couple of local 5K races that will sponsor to support the, the local elementary schools. So I do do those things. I don't think that we probably get a lot of members per se from those events. I do that more just as a way to support my members and their family and their kids who are going there. But um, so, yeah, there's definitely other opportunities, I think, uh, to potentially market. Um, I would just, again, want to make sure that we're set up to absorb more people and to continue offering. That's an important part of this question as well. It's like, what can we realistically onboard? And so what is that for you in a given month if we were to sign up? 10, yeah. 15, what's that number for you? Yeah, right now it's averaging about eight to 10 uh, new members a month. And we have a mixture of people coming who relocate. We have a lot of people who relocate to this area, just the kind of greater Washington DC area. It's kind of a transient uh, area. And a lot of them will have prior experience and which is great because they can just kind of come in and hit the ground running. We also have a fair number of people who've never done CrossFit before, but are interested sure. in trying it. Uh, so they come in for a free trial class and uh, most likely they will go through our foundations training, uh, which is four 45 minute sessions with one-on-one with a coach. 
uh, and they'll teach them the main CrossFit movements in a very safe, uh, welcoming environment. Uh, we also will, the, tech, the coach will send out a text the day before with a couple of links to videos on our YouTube channel of the movements they're going to learn. And that's okay. just to kind of help get them familiar with the movements, the names of the movements, and then also serve as a reference for later on. Yeah. Um, and so the other- Oh, Who's sorry. handling the, the sales process here? Is it you? Is it the coach? Is it some sort of designated salesperson kind of by committee? What does that look like? Yes. So for my business, it's me handling it. So a prospect will reach out via email, Instagram, Facebook. I'll follow up with them to set up their free trial class, uh, ask them for you know, basic information for the waiver, see if they have any prior injuries that we should know about. And then uh, I'll text them the day before, just as a reminder that they have their free trial, directions for how to find us, where to park. Uh, and then the coach, you know, once they get to class, the coach will greet them. The coach knows they're coming, so they'll greet them by name. Uh, just kind of ask how they're doing that day, how they're feeling. Let them know that we'll scale the movements for them to make sure that it's appropriate for their level, for their ability level. And then after class, the coach will you know, ask them how it went, what they thought. If, uh, if they're new to CrossFit, the coach will talk about foundations uh, training, and then I'll follow up with them as well. And either you know, if they need foundations, schedule that with one of our coaches or you know, help them determine which of our memberships to sign up for. And even though I know it sounds pretty time consuming, the, I found that the kind of high touch service has led to a really high attendance rate for free trials and then a really high conversion rate. That so helps. it's, yeah, yeah, it helps a lot. So it's not like I have a ton of free trials coming in who then don't sign up. I, yeah. most of them are, it, it, let's say at this point, it's unusual now that someone doesn't sign up after yeah. doing their free trial. When we talk about any kind of marketing conversation or, or customer acquisition conversation. And we need to sort of separate it into those different buckets. How many leads do we get? How many of those leads are actually showing up to the business? And then how many of those leads are converting into members? The more efficient we can be at each of those transition processes takes less input to get the desired output, right? If we can, if we can convert at 80% and 50% or better of those people are showing up. Yeah, we don't need 100 leads a month, right? Right. It, it makes it a little bit easier of a long-term idea. And then the yeah. idea, I mean, like this, like we said before, the idea of any sort of paid marketing or, or supplemental lead generation beyond that is just to simply turn up the volume, right? If, the, if we're efficient at each of those, putting more inputs in is going to result in a better output, but it, it, it all functions as one machine, if you will. Now, once people are signed up and, and in, you mentioned a foundations program or a different membership. Um, but at the very beginning, you talked about the idea of like personal training or, or nutrition coaching. Do you guys track sort of what percentage of your, your membership are in those sorts of things? Or, or let me ask the question this way, because I think this is easier to answer. Are those things a focus for you to funnel people to? Or is it sort of like we have it available if people are asking about it? Yeah, I would say it's more of the latter. So okay. if someone reaches out, it's primarily because they're interested in attending class. 
but we do have some people that will reach out specifically wanting personal training and whether that uh, that could be to help them prepare for a specific goal. Maybe they want to get in shape for a competition or lose weight. Uh, some people like to get in shape to before they start CrossFit. Uh, yep. And so, yep. you know, <laughs> so we, we try to uh, meet people where they are. So sure. they might start at personal training, but then we tend to try and transition most people over to the group classes just because we found that the community aspect is so important to people staying accountable and consistent in terms of coming to class versus you know, the personal training, they might see the coach once a week and then who knows what's going on the rest of the week. Whereas class, you know, they could do a nine classes per month uh, membership and come in at least twice a week. Um, I would say that about 60% of our members are on the unlimited membership. Okay. And we have a, a great, so we have month to month and then we have a three month commitment and more than 80% are on the three month commitment. So once people sign up, they, they, they're committed for at least those three months. And then, you know, a lot of times they'll renew, um, you know, unless the, the turnover we've had recently is just mostly from people relocating, either they've gotten a new job. Sure. Um, I've had a couple members move back closer to home where they grew up so they could be close to their parents to help raise yeah. the kids. Yeah, so. Nobody has hundred percent retention. Nobody. Right. And so, you know, um, we, we do try to meet people where they are and give them the different membership options and then kind of guide them where we think might be best for them. Yeah. And, and at least to bring it back, I have, I have one further thought on the personal training thing and it's very specific to CrossFit and so many owners that I speak with use personal training as an onboarding thing or as a, before we get to the main entree class offering. Um, but a lot of successful CrossFit owners are sort of flipping that on its head and taking the most bought in people who are skilled and are in shape and using PT as a further skill development, because those people are the ones willing to spend the money and invest in their fitness journey and, and use it as, okay, we're going to spend this hour with a coach to work on XYZ skill or some XYZ movement pattern, whatever it is. It's, it's an interesting anecdote, but it's usually the, the far outliers of either very, very newbie beginner people or very, very expert working on a niche pattern that find themselves in personal training, but tapping into both of those can be a really, really lucrative business move, both for the business and the coaches, right? That's, that's just as important of a matter here. Um, and so for you, I mean, our whole conversation thus far, Beth, has been, how do we operate? How do we grow a business in this sort of a model? As you look forward, let's go short term first, because I think that's easiest to articulate what's sort of the the next big item on your to-do list as the owner of this business what's sort of the target that we're shooting for the rest of this year for the rest of this year um, I have a couple of coaches that I'm training to become coaches so my focus is making sure that they are um, both capable and, and ready and confident to coach class on their own. So okay. that's primarily where my focus is. And I've got a couple of other members that I have talked to about, you know, considering becoming a coach. Most of my coaches are uh, current members. 
Got it. Who then become coaches. And then I, I do have sometimes members who come in with already having um, gotten their coaching certification and, and will coach at our gym. Um, and so primarily for me right now, it's about making sure we have the, the right coaches and that they're trained and confident and that the members are comfortable with them as well. Uh, once I feel like that's in a good place, you know, then revisiting things that we had, you know, a couple of years ago, things like CrossFit kids and teens, um, potentially adding more classes, um, different seminars or specialty clinics, things like that. Got it. And, and so a couple of sort of 360 degree expansions, right? Of course, putting the staff in place so that all of this is a realistic possibility, but then looking at different aspects of the business and, and growing in a number of different directions. And, and then expand with me a bit further. This is sort of the fun question. What's the longer term vision here? What's the ultimate version of CrossFit Hyatt Cell look like? Yeah, I, um, is, am I allowed to say, I think we're, we're kind of in a good place where members are, feel very passionate about the gym. We've built a really great community. We, we do great coaches. Uh, I think for me, it's part of just making sure that that continues, that I don't lose sight of the fact that why people come to CFH and why they continue to come and why they continue to refer their uh, friends and family members. Um, so it's not like I want to open a second location. I've thought okay. about it, but I don't want to do that. Yeah, no, and, and that, <laughs> it was that's a lot an of important work. part of this because a lot right. of the time we measure success arbitrarily yeah. in how many locations, how big is your facility, things like that. And a lot of the time it's irrelevant to the business owner. And so yeah, that's why and I, I asked you. And I think I thought about that early on. I felt like, oh, well, now I have to open a second one. And honestly, it was so much work opening the first one and making sure that it went well. Uh, I really, I have no interest in opening another one. I'm, I'm yeah. happy to help someone else uh, if they <laughs> want some advice uh, to opening a new gym. But yeah, I'm, I'm personally not interested in opening another gym. Uh, I think for me, it's really just about making sure that my current members uh, feel like this is the best hour of their day and that they feel proud to wear their CrossFit Hyattsville shirt uh, and continue to, you know, to help us with referrals and uh, reviews on Google and, and whatnot. Yeah. So if, if I'm understanding properly, it's not wholesale changes in any sort of direction. It's, it's do what we do, albeit a little bit better maybe a little bit bigger and, and tinkering and tweaking along the way, not necessarily breaking and rebuilding the business model. And so I think you're, you're spot on with that, Beth. I've had a bunch of fun having this conversation. I really appreciate when entrepreneurs are willing to come on and, and share an insider look into what they do. And at the same time, be a little bit vulnerable and, and recognize where we still have room for growth and, and opportunity. I can't thank you enough. I'm excited to see what the future holds for you and your team. And, and Beth, I wish you nothing but the best. Oh, thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model within the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, Jim Lord's out. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.